roughly 10 million stay-at-home moms and just under 2 million stay-at-home dads in the United States. Every fall, millions of these parents experience one of the most significant transitions since the birth of their children when their youngest child begins kindergarten. Nothing and everything changes on that first day of school. Nothing changes because someone still has to do the laundry and clean the house and grocery shop and prepare meals, take the kids to the dentist and doctor appointments, and pick them up at the end of the school day. Everything changes because the elementary school has replaced you as a caregiver for six hours of the day, and you can now more easily consider going back to paid work or focusing on reestablishing your identity. This is Where Was I, a podcast about a parenting transition we are calling Empty Nest Version 1.0. I'm Angela Arsenault. And I'm Jessica Tickton. Why do we think this transition is important? Why are we focusing on this? And why is this worth exploring in a 10-episode podcast? The short answer is because within this transition lies universal and existential human questions. Like, who am I? What is my purpose? What is my worth? What am I able to contribute to society? To help caregivers find their way, either back to a career they once had or to a new career, or maybe to just find the joy and value in being where they are now. We'll speak with Amy Cuddy, the author of Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges. Her 2012 TED Talk is the second most viewed of all time. Amy offers her unique take on overcoming imposter syndrome, or the feeling that you're somehow not good enough, which is a really common hurdle for lead parents during this transition. From exploring the emotional, political, and societal issues surrounding caregivers and this transition when their kids enter school, we move on to practical advice, such as how to re-enter your field and the emergence of returnships. We'll speak to Carol Fishman-Cohen, founder of iRelaunch, and career coaches Suzanne Coonan and Michelle Friedman. We also devote an episode to the new demand for job flexibility and its rising popularity how the career ladder has now become more of a career lattice, and how volunteering in your community might lead to job opportunities. We know that managing the domestic realm is a huge part of caregivers' work, so we also discuss this and its evolution during and after the transition. And of course, how could we ignore the center of it all and where this all began? Your relationship. Marriages often strain and chafe due to the unequal power dynamic created when one partner foregoes an income in order to become a full-time caregiver. But let's start with the first day of school. On the first day that both of my kids were in school full-time, I got into a car accident. It was a minor one, to be sure, but 100% my fault. I was leaving therapy, which incidentally was the perfect place for me to be following kindergarten drop-off. As I sat in my car at the intersection of the parking lot and the road, my mind started doing that thing that it's been doing, that it was accustomed to doing for seven years as a stay-at-home mom, that thing where your brain starts ordering up all the things that you're supposed to do that day. I need to go to the grocery store, and I need to figure out what to get for dinner, and then what's for breakfast tomorrow? Oh yeah, my kids want oatmeal 
but there was no brown sugar. So I have to remember to get brown sugar. So I pulled out of the parking lot and um, started heading south. And just a few seconds into that drive, my brain still working, still processing the decision I think I've already made. Wait, I need a brown sugar keeper because my kids don't want to eat crusty brown sugar. And they've told me this and I'm going to be the greatest mom ever because I'm remembering right now in this moment to get a brown sugar keeper. So I need to pull over because where I'm going right now isn't going to have one. So I'm going to pull over to the side of the road super irresponsibly, but really proud of myself that I've remembered this necessity. And then I think I'll just make a little quick U-turn. And as I do that, bam, someone runs into me. As I was driving away, I thought, I'm not the only person who's experiencing this today. Are there other people getting into unnecessary car accidents, having foolish fender benders? Are there other people going to therapy and talking about what they want to do with their lives now? What is happening and where can I find these people? I want to talk to them. I want to know. I want to ask them how they're doing this. On that same day, just a few miles down the road, Lauren Pricer, a 44-year-old mother of three, brought her youngest child to kindergarten. I happened to be standing in front of her in the drop-off line. We spoke briefly and discovered that we both had daughters starting kindergarten and middle school. So I dropped them off and it was very exciting for them. They were very excited and as a result, I was excited. Uh, and I wasn't one of those parents who was having to hold back tears at that point in time. Um, and I don't know if that's just because there was too much going on or I don't cry easily at all. So I wasn't really expecting it. So I got them off and then I felt huge relief at the fact that everything had gone fine. <laughs> you know, another school year, now three kids off to school fine. Huge relief when I walked away from the school and got back in the car. Then driving home, I got a bit sad about the, uh, the last one's gone and now that's it we're absolutely not having more that's a definite so I felt sad but maybe that only lasted half an hour or so then I got back here and I can't I honestly I can't remember specifically what I did but it was that feeling of wow now I have some free time <laughs> now what do I do my husband and I, before school had started, had kind of talked about, okay, Lauren, what, what's going to happen next? Are you, you should probably get a job at some point. <laughs> and I agree, but then that begs the question of, well, what? You know, do I go back to what I was doing before? Do I do something new? And if so, can I even do something new? Because now I'm 43 and... I don't necessarily have the educational background and certainly the experience I don't have uh, for doing something new. For Lauren, who left a career in finance, and for so many lead parents who had a career before they decided to become full-time caregivers to their children, the biggest question seems to be, what should I do now? And mixed up in that question, there's a natural tendency to look back at what you've done so far. Lauren will lead us through her experience of that process and talk about what made her feel a little sad in a few moments. But first, we'll hear from Wendy Hilmuth. I knew Wendy personally because our 
sons, her son Nate and my son Dash, who are both our youngest children, were in pre-K together. And I knew that Wendy had left her career as a lawyer uh, some years ago to stay at home and care for her children. So on that first day, though I didn't see her at kindergarten drop-off, I was really curious to know what that day was like for her. I was anticipating the day. I was I was worried about being sad. I was feeling already sad prior to the day. But but I was also excited for this freedom that I had not really had before. Like I said, you know, preschool, limited time, you know, a couple hours those those hours flew by. This was a longer stretch. I was remember thinking 8 to 3 just feels like you know, ah, you know, freedom. They are with me all summer, home. Summers are nuts and not necessarily my favorite time of the year. <laughs> so I was really excited about the prospect of having a break. I wasn't paying for a babysitter. I wasn't, you know, having to get them into some kind of organized activity. They were just going to school. Nate took the bus on the first day. He was excited and happy. I was excited for him. I was sad in some ways, but but you know, mostly just excited for this freedom that I was thinking I was going to feel. And then I just couldn't believe how fast the day went. I do remember I had lunch with some girlfriends and um, most of them have older children. And so I was the only one in that in the position of having my last child having gone off to school. And I do remember looking around at lunch and thinking, you know, I feel like I should be with people who are going through the same thing because I'm happy and sad at the same time. I'm also thinking, oh my goodness, I don't I don't think I want to be home with no sort of purpose, job, even if it's a sort of side job, you know, some work at, that I'm doing from my house for very long. So looking around thinking, I'm happy to have this time, but I don't want to have this much time for that long. Wendy quickly found all the caregiver ways to fill that time volunteering in her son's kindergarten class once a week. She signed up for the Four Winds Science Program and was generally the first one to volunteer anytime teachers asked for help. The same week that school started, Wendy got a puppy. During the last nine years that I've been home, if I've had some downtime, I always looked sort of look back to that time where I felt like when I was working, I had this purpose. I had this identity as a lawyer, as somebody who had worked really hard to get where they were and was still working hard to, you know, get even farther. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed working with people and people needing me and and having these, you know, sort of cases to solve. And, and so I think that when Nate went off to school, and actually every day since he's gone off to school, I have sort of in my head said, when am I going to go back to work? When am I going to maybe not go back to work outside of the home, but try to bring some work into, you know, when am I going to do that? And I'm not rushing it, but I am, it's always on my mind. And I think, and and maybe the, the puppy has delayed that a little bit, you know, how could I go back to work now that I have this puppy that needs to, <laughs> hmm, that sounds like an excuse. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So, I just, I don't want to just sit around. And I always joke with my kids, you know, I don't sit around and eat bonbons all day. But my kids always wonder why I say that. No one does. You know, no one who's home does that. I don't know who does that. I think as as the dog gets older and, you know, I definitely need to, to fill the time more. 
On that first day of school, Wendy realized she wanted a new caregiving purpose. The puppy helps to sort of fill the void that opened up when her youngest began kindergarten. For Lauren, the first day of school was an opportunity to reflect on a caregiving chapter that she feels has closed. She told us she wasn't particularly surprised that she felt sad, but she was very surprised when she realized she was crying. I am a, I mean, God only knows what this says about me, but I'm just not that emotional of a person. And I really don't cry very often at all. And when my older two went off to kindergarten, no tears at all. I was just happy for them. Um, And maybe I was a little happy for me. I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, So... So yeah, I was I was surprised and I certainly didn't come home and start bawling, but even the fact that I just got a little a little tears in my eyes and a little sad did um did surprise me because up until that point I'd just been feeling excitement and I'd been feeling nervousness and some relief and some anticipation about what's next. But um, yeah, it's true. I just, I didn't expect myself to have any of the sad emotions happen to me. I couldn't leave it at that. I knew there was something really important that she wasn't saying. So I asked her, what exactly was making you so sad? Oh goodness, don't make me cry now. Um, I think I am not the parent that I wanted to be. I mean, there's definitely so much room for improvement and um, the fact that that kind of babyhood and toddlerhood part is over and I feel like I had three chances you know to do it better um, and still didn't do it really the the way I really wanted to makes me regretful and and makes me a little bit scared for the future you know because I wasn't as motherly as I could have been, does that mean that in the future my children aren't going to be bonded with me? And and now it's too late. As if kind of the, a door shut, and because it, it did, right? And there are no more opportunities in that way. Maybe I didn't play enough with them, although I compared to some of my friends, I really did. I mean, I have friends who say like, I, you know, God, I never get down on the floor and play and play with my kids. Isn't that horrible? So, I mean, I still wanted to be even closer. I wanted to be that kind of image that you have when you're a little girl and you're playing with your baby dolls and you're never mad and you're always like, it's okay, I love you, my baby, all the time. I feel like I didn't do enough of that. As I listened to Lauren talk, I was thinking about how being a primary caregiver a full-time parent, defines who and what you are. How do you feel when this role shifts? And if taking care of children in the home is what you've been doing for many years, like Lauren, I wanted to know how much her self-worth was tied up in her parenting. Being a mother, I feel like, is something I never even questioned. It was always what I wanted to do. It was always the most important thing to me. Just that fact alone puts so much emphasis on it and that if it's not the picture you had in your head which inevitably of course it's not you wind up confused uh, frustrated filled with doubt and just feeling as though you're kind of just stumbling along and with no end in sight and really no plan either 
insight. So I guess that is a little bit how I felt. I absolutely held myself to a high standard in terms of parenting and definitely didn't meet it. And also kind of didn't meet the other responsibilities that come along with the stay-at-home parenting, like keeping the house neat and keeping everyone organized and so on and so forth. Um, That wasn't really up there either, really. At times, I felt like, well, it's one or the other, you know? Do I want happy kids or do I want stressed kids but who are forced to be organized, you know, which is it? So there's always, there's a ton of self, self-doubt and questioning oneself. And because it's not a nine to five regular job where you're getting quarterly reviews and you have a a boss who's giving you feedback, you you have to find the feedback somewhere else, but the only place is from yourself or from your kids or from your husband, all of which are not ideal. This harsh self-judgment that I heard coming from Lauren was something I really identified with. I know I've done this to myself, and I know that a lot of my friends do it. And it's a topic that we really wanted to explore more with one of the leading voices in the conversation surrounding caregiving, the devaluation of caregivers, Anne-Marie Slaughter. So on the next episode, we'll talk to best-selling author, president and CEO of New America, Anne-Marie Slaughter. If the stories we're telling resonate with you, or if you know someone who'd be interested in this conversation, please visit our Facebook page. Leave us a comment or tell us about your own experience with this transition. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.